The series, if you haven't figured it out yet, transformed. Okay? It's based in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. What you need to understand about Romans chapter 12 is Romans chapter 12 starts with therefore in verse 1 because it's based on everything that Paul has talked about in Romans 1 through 10, or 1 through 11. And then there Paul lays out, a, just like he did in Ephesians, he lays out a bunch of doctrinal stuff, a bunch of historical stuff, and he says, now let's get the practical stuff. And when he gets the practical stuff, one of the first things that he says is, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then he gets into verse 2 and he says, and be not conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But instead be transformed. And he tells us how, by the renewing of your mind. So that you can prove, you can, you can demonstrate what is the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. What God really wants for your life. And that's where we're headed. Um, Rick Warren, many of you are familiar with his book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, their church does campaigns every year. And they make them available to churches if they want to buy them. And that's what we did. So um, we purchased the, the series um, and we adapt it for us. But part of that is they, we purchase these books, and then we follow along with the DVDs and that kind of thing. And so as a church, we make an investment in order to do that, but we feel like the value of the small groups and the value of this series will help us as a church as we grow and go forward. So that's why we're doing this. Uh, so, again, as you watch the DVDs, remember, their church is in California. California is different from Iowa, okay? Uh, so uh, in many ways. But anyway, that's... Uh, so you can adapt and, and, and ship with that. But this morning, um, I, wanted, I, I had to try to figure out a way to kick this thing off. And uh, this is what I came up with, all right? So I'm going to use what you see behind me as kind of a uh, springboard for most of this series in how we apply it. So this morning, I have to tell you a pretty long story uh, for you to understand the same things that we're going to be talking about as we go through this series. So what I want to do is I want to tell you the story of that gas pump. Okay? This is my gas pump, the Texaco gas pump. All right? Um, and what you need to give you a little bit of background so you understand, this has been in my house since uh, um, 2011. Uh, I think, yeah, 2011. Uh, 2001, actually. Wow, even longer than that. Yeah, because Jimmy's almost 30. So um, what happened was when we got into the country, we wanted to get involved and learn everything that we could about the country. And so one of the things everybody was talking about being a city kid was 4-H. Well, here's my problem. I don't like chores. So the animal thing had zero appeal to me. Uh, we did the bucket calf. Um, the bucket calf thing was nice. I'll probably do it for my granddaughter. Uh, those of you who deal with cattle and hogs and sheep and goats and all of that, God bless you. I enjoy the fruits of your labor, but I don't want to labor that much. All right? So um, that's not my thing. But I found out 4-H had a whole different category where you could deal with projects that didn't have to do with animals. And one of them was science, mechanical, and engineering. And I thought, now that, that's appealing. I found out there's another category, visual arts. And I thought, yep, that's Josh. So Josh did visual arts. Jimmy did science, mechanical engineering. So we started doing these projects. I had a friend in, in Hornick who had a, uh, Todd Clark, he had the antique store there for a number of years. And Todd, uh, Todd and I became friends and, and still are. And Todd, um, I told him I was looking for a gas pump. My dad worked for Texaco. And so Todd called me one day in it was December of 2001. He said, hey, he said, I, I got a gas pump you might be interested in. 
And uh, I went over and saw it. I didn't know anything about Gaspel. I never restored anything in our lives. Um, and this was a 4-H project. I kind of wanted to do it with my son and I together. And so uh, JT and I, so I, I went down and took a look at it. And I said, yeah, that'd be great. He said, great. So I loaded it up and, and, and hauled it home. And uh, so we got this gas pump. Here's what it looked like when we got it. I'm throw up that first picture. Um, this is what it looked like when we got it. It was an old Phillips 66 pump. We'd already taken the motor out of it by that, this point. And uh, we started to work on the whole restoration project. So when I did this, I wanted to have something up here that was similar. And so I put out a plea, one of those odd emails, and I was amazed at the response. You guys got more junk than I do. I ended up with like five, four or five people that said, hey, I got a gas pump. Well, at that point, I'm like, well, I'm just not going to take any gas pump. I'm going to get particular and try to find one just like that. Sure enough. Uh, uh, Don Weiss's son, Jeff, who I know, I know pretty well, this is sitting in front of his shop that was in a property. And actually, it still has the motor in it. It's a diesel pump. They didn't use it. He just thought it was cool, set it outside. And so I talked, John talked to Jeff, and Don and I went over and loaded it up and hauled it over here. Um, and you need to know, these things are incredibly heavy. <clears throat> um, the diesel smell that you might smell on the platform from time to time is because it still had some diesel fuel in it. Um, but uh, anyway, so I, I got this. So, that you, so it helps you remember, okay, this is, what, this is the type of thing we started with. That's the type of thing we ended up with. Um, and the process is pretty involved. Um, I got a whole bunch of pictures here that I, I snagged from Jimmy 4-H Project. So first thing we had to do is strip it all down, um, figure all that. So that's him. Keep going, guys. The uh, next one, um, of course, I'll make him do all the hard work. Actually, in 4-H, you have to have pictures of them doing the project so that they know you didn't do it. So these are the stage pictures. Uh, um, <laughs> sanding it all down. Uh, yes, you can't use that as a 4-H picture because he doesn't have a mask and glasses and all that. So we learned that. This was our first year in 4-H. But anyway, uh, then going on. Um, uh, so then he, we got them all set up, and then we ended up priming them. Oh, by the way, as we're going through this, you need to know, we never, had never restored anything in our life. Uh, so we had to learn everything, sandblasting, painting, all this kind of thing uh, going on. Um, so, of course, I put the glasses and a mask on uh, for the picture. So he painted that and then got it all primed and put it all together. And then do I have another one or not? Okay, that's the last one. Okay, all right. So go back to the first one so that we remember what we started with. I want to walk you through the process. Because the process of transformation in your spiritual growth is no different than the trans. Than, than the process that it took to get a pump from this to this, okay? So I want to walk you through the process. I want to walk you through the steps. I want to walk you through what it was involved. Then I want to draw the analogy, and I want to look at some Bible passages that show you the process, because there is a process in spiritual growth. A lot of us think that, we just, you know, if we just come to church, we're going to grow. It doesn't work like that. There, there, there's a process. Just like um, as long as Jeff leaves this sitting in front of his shed, it's always going to look like this, and it's going to deteriorate. If, and by the way, the, many of you have, are so well-intentioned, because I asked the question, what are you going to do with that gas pump? Well, I'm going to restore it one day. And 20 years from now, it's still going to look like this, all right? Because you have great intentions, but there's no process, all right? So one of the things that we had to do is, in order to, 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 restore, in order to restore that pump, I had to do some research. I had to learn everything that I could about it. Um, here's what I found out about this pump. First of all, it's a very rare pump. Uh, it's made by the Erie Company. It was made in 1949. 
Now, very rare means two things. Number one, it means parts are hard to get. And number two, it means if you get them, they're going to be expensive. This was 2001. In 2001, we spent, I hate to say this publicly, we spent almost $500 restoring this gas pump in 2001. And the reason I hate to say that is because my wife is here. I wish I could just like wait till next week <laughs> when she's not. Uh, but anyway, so we spent almost $500 restoring this thing. And uh, anyway, so the first thing we did was we did a bunch of research. Well, come to find out that parts on it are, are very hard to get. So that means that like, like this kind of thing, you really don't want to damage that when you're trying to restore it because uh, it's almost impossible. What I found out is there are two companies that specialize in the restoration of uh, restoration parts for gas pumps. Ironically, one of, them, the, one of the two companies in the country is in Omaha, Nebraska. So we took a trip down to Omaha and, and got some of the parts that we need, and, and, and we decided that we, wanted to, we didn't want it to fill up 66. I wanted Texaco. It's what my dad worked for. So we kind of had to do the research to understand the pump. So actually, when we actually did the restoration, it set at 27 cents a gallon because in 1949, that was the price of gas. Um, so... <clears throat> You have to, but, but what happens is when you get to restore something like this, you have, a, you have a decision to make up front. The decision is this. Do you want it to be original or do you want it to be functional? You see, in a collector's market, they want this thing as original as it could be to 1949. So that means the globe has to be original. That's a reproduction globe. It's still expensive, but not as expensive as, a, I mean... A, a reproduction, uh, an actual globe from that, if you could even find it, 1949, for this particular pump, probably runs somewhere around four or 500 bucks um, just for the globe. Um, the little sign on the side, the lead, you know, this contains lead sign. Uh, it should have been actually porcelain. Um, you get into the little sight glass right there to find an actual sight glass. is incredibly expensive. So you have a decision to make. And by the way, if you decide to restore it back to original, you leave the motor in it too, and you restore the pump and the motor and all that. So the idea is that if somebody wanted to, they literally could go hook it up to a, to a gas line and it would pump gas. Um, plug it in, wire it, and it's all good to go. Uh, the problem is my wife wasn't really excited about having something original in the house, so we went a different route, and we decided we wanted to make it functional. So one of the things that we decided on this particular pump is that we wanted to make it so that when you open it up, there's display shelves in the bottom. There's glass shelves that fit in here, but I want to keep moving those. So, um, so we put a light in there, and so this sits downstairs, and we, we have Texaco stuff that we sit in it and things like that. As, as a fun. So we had to make a decision right up front because that, that impacted a lot of decisions that are made down the line. It, it impacted how much money you were going to spend. It, it, it impacted what kind of color you could use and, and, and the, type of, the type of paint and and, and, and the signs and all of that kind of stuff. There were so many issues that it impacted it down the line that you had to make up front. <clears throat> Once we get to the point that we know what direction we wanted to go, which in this particular case was as a display thing, the next thing you have to figure out is what is the process to take it from that to that. <clears throat> and so we kind of broke it all down, and we had to look at a process. We had to say, okay, what has to happen first? And what, do, what tools, what equipment do we need? A lot of these are the actual tools that we used when we did it. Um, I had never sandblasted anything in my life, so I went and bought a sandblaster. That wasn't included in the $500 price. Uh, <clears throat> tools aren't included in the cost of an actual project. But anyway, um, so I bought a sandblaster. Here's a problem. I never used a sandblaster, so I didn't know how to use a sandblaster. I had to find somebody to help me teach me how to use a sandblaster. 
Um, I got I got spray I got I got a spray can. Somebody's like, really? You use okay? I don't use this anymore. I've gone the HLVP route or whatever it is. Uh, but yes, this is this is so. I had to learn how to use one of these. I had to learn about one stage and two stage paint. I had to learn about prep. I had to learn about bondo. I had to learn about um, high build primers. We had to we had to learn all this stuff that we didn't know anything about because this was the first restoration project we'd ever done. So. <clears throat> And by the way, I, you should know that this hammer is up here just to irritate Bob Nelson. Um, because Bob saw this and he goes, you don't know, in metal work, you don't use a claw hammer when you're using metal work. And I said, you've never seen me do metal work. So yes, it stays up here. Um, so that's, that's the whole purpose for that. Uh, at one point, I actually had it down. I was going to swap it out. And I thought, no, I use, this is what I use for metal work. So that's what's going up there. So anyway. Let's give you an idea. So, so this was all part of the process. We had to learn about how to use all of this stuff. And then we had to set up a time field because the fair came at the end of July, beginning of August. So we had to have a whole schedule of, okay, on this day, this has to happen. And by this, this week, we have to have this happen. And then, and then we had to start on the process. And we had to pay for it as we go. So we've got money involved in it. We've got time involved in it. We've got all this effort involved in it. And in that whole process... We eventually get to this. There was a process involved to take it from there to there. There were tools involved to take it from there to there. There were resources, people, time, money, effort, energy, to take it from there to there. Spiritual growth is no different. If you want to transform yourself from what you are here to something that you want down there. And by the way, this isn't complete. You should know that. If I really wanted to keep restoring this, um, I have not replaced the rubber gaskets that go on here yet. And if some of you will remember, there used to be a, there's a ball thing that comes off of here, so you could only take the, the cord so far, remember? Because they'd always get caught on your car and all that kind of thing, and you just hated them, and you wanted to cut them off anyway, but you needed something to pull the hose back. Um, that would still be on there. Um, you know, I would still change it out to the right hose. I could change it out to the right handle. Um, there, there's still things that I could do. I could, I could actually go in and put an original globe on top. There, there's still things I could do if I wanted to keep on the process, but I've got it to where I wanted it to be for right now. <clears throat> I say that to say spiritual growth is no different. But for some reason, what we think is, well, I'll just come to church once a week and that'll take care of my spiritual growth. Just like this was an intentional process, spiritual growth is an intentional process. And what we're going to be looking at in the next eight weeks is this. We're going to take seven areas of our life. And we're going to ask ourselves, and this is, this is what, if you've got one of those books, this is your assignment for this week. We're going to ask yourself, give me one goal in each one of these areas for you in the next three months. Just one step. We're not asking you to go from this to this in a week. We're saying, okay, what's one step? What's one step that will start the process? What's one step that will get you one step closer to there rather than staying like this? So we're going to look at, next week, we're going to look at our spiritual lives, and we're going to ask ourselves, okay, where are we spiritually? And where do we want to be? And what step do you need to take for you to get you one step closer to that? Um, Then we're going to look at our physical lives. We're going to look at our emotional life. We're going to look um, uh, physical, mental. We're going to look at our mental, uh, mental, I think it is, uh, mental lives. We're going to look at 
where are we and where would we like to be? And then in the last part, the way I look at it is the first one's eternal, the next three are internal, and then the, the last three are external rather than eternal. It's the idea of we're going to look at your relationship. And then we're going to look at the idea of vocationally. Are you where you want to be? Financially, are you where you want to be? What steps do you need to take in those areas? Or what step do you need to take in those areas? To start to transform and change the way you deal with that area. Okay? And that's where we're heading. And, and, and so we're, we're, going to, we're going to kind of walk through all of that as we go. So with that in mind of this process, let's talk about how it works out spiritually for us. Okay? Um, here's the first thing that you're going to have to do if you want to transform any area of your life. Um, here's the first thing you got to do. you got to be honest with yourself. Just like when I started this project, I had to take the pump and I had to study it and learn everything I could about it so I understand why it is the way that it is and what were the opportunities and what were the issues involved with it. <clears throat> you know what the problem with most of us is? We're just not honest with ourselves. We're afraid to be honest with ourselves. It's kind of like this pump thinking it looks like that. When everybody knows it looks like this. And the only person you're kidding is yourself. Because you think you're something that you're not, instead of being honest with yourself. And we want a church where we're honest with ourselves. Listen to what James says, because I I think James says it best. Listen to what he says. Uh, James chapter 1. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what he says, like someone who looks his face in a mirror and looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. If you think this is what I looked like when I got up this morning, you really, really are deceived. Okay? I got up this morning, it did not look like this, and I actually made myself looking in a mirror going, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make myself look differently. I'm going to do something about what I saw in the mirror. Why don't we do that in every other area of life? Why are we kidding ourselves about our relational life? Our physical life? Our emotional life? Our mental life? Our, our, our financial life? Why, why are we kidding ourselves about our spiritual life? Part of the step, the best thing is, when I started the project, I had to say, what am I dealing with right off the bat? And the thing was, <laughs> okay, here's the other side of the story I haven't told you. When, Todd, when I got this pump from Todd, we loaded it in the back of my, I had a um, uh, Ford Ranger. We loaded it in the back of my Ford Ranger. And I had one of those, uh, you remember those plastic bed liner things that was in the back? And I left the tailgate down because I thought, no big deal. And I laid this gas pump on there. I gently pulled out of Todd's, in front of Todd's thing. Um, no, no. I took off out of his place. The next thing I know, I heard this big crash. I turned around and looked. And the pump is laying in the middle of the road there in Hornick on Main Street. And so we had to load it back up. Well, the problem is it slid straight off and smashed straight down. Well, hence Bondo. Um, hence, this is the side that it didn't land on. Um, you know, it, it was one of those deals where I had to be honest about, okay, now i got a real mouse. Now i got to figure out how to fix this stuff. And, and part of spiritual growth is being honest with yourself. That's one of the things about small group is you go, well, I don't want to be honest in front of other people. Here's what you're going to find about a small group. You're all in the same boat. You just ain't that special. 
Okay? Your problems are just like everybody else's problems. You know, I guarantee you, if you're struggling relationally with other people or in your marriage or with work or whatever else, there are plenty of people in your small group of eight, ten people who have the exact same struggle. You just have convinced yourself that you don't. You're just deceiving yourself to go, you know what? I get this all the time. People are like, you know, oh, pastor, you know, you don't know what's going on in my life. I'm like, hey, get in line. I know 10 people who are dealing with the same thing you're dealing with. Really? What I want to say is, yeah, you ain't that special. Now, I can't say that. But the reality of it is we're all in the same boat. We're all in it together. And you have to be honest with yourself about what you want. So one of the first things we had to do in order to get the pump to that position is be honest about what we were dealing with up front. And figure it out. And that's, that, that's one of the steps. You've got to be honest about what you find. You've got to be honest with yourself. And I think that's, that, that's half the battle for most of us. Because we, we, want, we want to think that, you know, well, I'm just worried about what everybody is going to say. Oh, man. I get myself in trouble with stuff like this, but I'm going to say it because I just... I, boy, I, some of you are going to get offended by this, I know, but you'll get over it. Um, You're just not that important. That when you walk in here, all these people are looking and thinking about you. I mean, you understand the ego it takes to believe that? Then I walk into this building. There was a hundred people there and all of them were focused on me. That's true of me because I stand up here and half of you are sleeping and the other half are playing, so I don't even know that I get half of you. You know? And I don't blame you. Believe me, I, I, I'm, I would rather have you here sleeping than at home sleeping. So I'm thrilled that you're here. It doesn't matter. But, but the reality of it is, we're not... Look, when I walk in this building, I got enough issues dealing with me to, than to worry about you. Because I'm a full-time job. And when I get in the spare time, I work on my wife. I'm not worried about the rest of you. Because we got enough on our plate between the two of us. Does that make sense? So be honest with yourself about it. Okay? And we got this, we're in this culture, we have this super inflated ego about ourselves that's just not real. And and and, and when when Paul or when James writes, he says, look, and by the way, this is the first, this is verse 22 of the first book that the, the early Christians would have ever had in their possession. One of the first things Paul says, or James says, to, young, to, to, to a church, one of the first things that's ever written after Jesus has died, buried, and resurrected. The first time the, the church has what we call the Bible is the book of James, and he's not a couple chapters into it, which he's already saying, hey, want to know the most important thing about this Christian thing? Don't kid yourselves. Be honest with yourself. Because this is important. It's really, really important. Second thing is this. Um, you've got to decide what direction you want to go. With this pump, we had to decide, original or functional. We had a decision made. Actually, there's three decisions. Original, functional, or just leave it like it is. There's nothing wrong with leaving this like it is if this is what I want. And some of you, you're just content with your life wherever it is. I, I think you're probably in the minority. I mean, Jeff, who owns this, you know what his intention is? He's set it out in front of his shepherd. Looks cool. 
Actually, my wife's not really thrilled about it. I am. But when I sent out the plea for gas pumps, I actually had somebody say, look, if you'll just come and take it, it's yours. I'm like, oh, I get to restore another one. My wife's like, don't bring more junk home. Um, I'm bringing junk home, you know. Probably next week while she's in bed. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that, that's a whole other marriage issue. But anyway, I, I, I mean, seriously, it's one of those deals where it's like, you know what, you've got to decide what direction you want. And, and this is where I see a lot of people misstep because they don't ask themselves this question on what, do, what kind of relationships do I want in my life in 20 years? Where do I want to be financially in my life in 20 years? Where do I want to be health-wise in my life in 20 years? Where do I want to be in my life with my walk with God in 20 years? Where do I want to be? What direction do I want to go? Do I just want to stay the same? Because here's what happens. A lot of us, we don't do anything about it. And so we just sit back and we never ask that question and we stay the same. And then 20 years down the line, we look back and we go, how come nothing's happened? Nothing's happened because you haven't intentionally made some decisions on what direction you want to go. That's what's happened. And it's important that you sit down and really ask yourself, are you happy with where you are health-wise? And again, go back to the first thing, be honest. Okay, so what step do you need to make change? Stop making excuses. Ask yourself, what's, what, what's the first step? You know? Oh, that'd mean I have to give up chocolate. Maybe. I mean, I couldn't go there, but maybe you can. Um, you know, what, what step do you, you follow what I'm saying? This is so important because you've got to ask yourself the direction. Listen, I see this all the time in my world. In my job as a pastor, I have a front row seat to people's lives, good, bad, and ugly. I am with families in some of the happiest times of their lives, and I'm in with families in some of the worst times of their life. I consider that a sacred responsibility. I consider it a sacred privilege when I get to share in those moments, good or bad. But I also consider it something that becomes part of my life story, where I take it home and say, you know what, I need to learn from some of that. And in doing this for, you know, I actually started in this um, 83, so, you know, 35 plus years, whatever. There's one thing that... Um, I have become very, very aware of. And as I've watched people age and as I'm aging, what I'm learning is that when people come to the end of their journey, one of the things that they talk about is not what they owned or not what their positions were or not jobs that they had or all this kind of thing. What they talk about are memories. And I was very fortunate about 10 years ago, somebody came into my life who really taught me the value of making memories with friends, family, people you love. And so my wife and I started implementing our lives, and our family had never, ever taken family vacation. And I sat down with the kids and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to South Dakota. We're going to rent a cabin. We're going to go to the hills for a week. And they were, they were high school age, whatever, and they said, you guys are going to go with us, and we're going to do that. And then as they got older, they still wanted to do it. And I said, well, you know, you have a job, so you're going to pay part of your, your portion of it. So now they pitch in to pay their portion of it. Um, we allow someone to go free the first time. So Alex has been free once. Aaron's been free once. Claire's going to go free this year. Um, <laughs> then, then we start charging. Uh, 
So I might give them a children's rate maybe, but I don't know. But anyway, we have a whole setup and anything else. So we started doing that. And, and last year it got to a point that I, I told the kids, I said, look, here's the deal. Your mom and I enjoy it so much that we're going to do this every year. You're invited to come along every year if you want. I've got to know by January, but you know what? We're going to, um, um, we're going to do this, and you're welcome to be a part of it, but we, we're going to go every year and make memories out in the hills. And if you know me, it's one of my favorite places in all the world to be. Um, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, my wife and I started talking about just doing stuff for us. And I love family vacations and so on, but it's, it's family, you know. And I don't care how much you love your family. There's always drama with the family and and, 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 and Gene and I are very low drama people, okay? Um, we really are. <laughs> if you want to leave, you can leave. Um, but anyway, so Gene and I, decided, we, we st- about three years ago, we started saying, you know what, let's, and, and our schedules are crazy. She works days, I work, most of my work's in the evening. Um, uh, she's off in this, you know, we try to take some time in the summer, but for us to get away, and, you know, every Sunday I'm here, and so... Uh, it's just one of those things that's hard for us. I said, you know, let's, let's just start a bucket list of places that we want to go. Because in my front row seat to people's lives, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people say when we're going through honoring somebody's life or, some, or, or some, somebody's life and, and, and I hear, well, we were always going to go to blank. And if I came on and looked at all, I said, that's not going to be our story. You know, I can't tell you the number of people that, that, that I've talked to that had all kinds of plans for retirement and then health or, or finances or whatever else changed all that. And I said, it's not going to be our story. And I said, so we made a financial commitment, a time, everything else commitment. I said, every year, you and I are going to go somewhere. We're going to pick something on our bucket list. We have a whole set of criteria that we go through and pick something on our bucket list. We're going to go and do it. So a couple of years ago, well, last year we did uh, Sedona, Arizona. A year before that, we did uh, Las Vegas. Um, which, believe it or not, there's a lot of fun stuff to do in Las Vegas that doesn't have to do with gambling and drinking and all that. Um, and then um, we, uh, this year we're going to Seattle um, to just because we have friends and stuff like that. And I said, it's not going to be our story. I'm not, you're not going to sit at my funeral and say, you know, your dad and I always talked about going to blank. And if you looked at my financial, if you look at my, my money last year and you looked at my discretionary income, my discretionary income, the two largest, one of the two largest expenditures on there is travel. Because I made a commitment of time, money, energy, and everything else to say this. When I look at our life 20, 30 years down the line, I don't want to talk about all the things that we wanted to do but never did. We're going to make a plan. We're going to come out with a path to get to where we want to go. And I'm not going to play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. And we've made a serious guy tell the kids, listen, you need to know this. Every time your mom and I get on a plane and we fly out of here, that, that's your inheritance going away. You know, I said, you guys got enough job. You got your own job. You can make it on your own. You know, we're, we're out for, you know, that's your inheritance going bye-bye. You know, unfortunately, my kids are like, you know, we'll go spend it, you know. Um, you know, there's not going to be that much anyway, so why not take it all? You know, why not? But we just decided that's where we want to be. And like I say, there's a path that comes up. We sat down and said, this is where we are. We're at a point in our life where we're not making memories. If we don't do anything about it, 30 years down the line, we're still going to be right here. Versus if we start making plans and coming up with a path and doing the resources and all that kind of thing to get where we want to go, that's where we'll go. So I intend to have 
if you go to my office, I got all kinds of pictures of the places that we go to and stuff like that with the memories that we have. My goal is to plaster those walls with all those great memories. Because I don't want to play that, oh, I wish we would have. So every year, I'm already working on the bucket list of where we want to go next year. And we'll talk about it. We'll make a decision here in the next couple of weeks where we want to go in April of 2020. Um, but you've got to sit down and ask yourself, what direction do you want to go? Um, Paul set some very clear goals. Uh, listen to Philippians chapter 3. Here's what he says. <clears throat> Not that I've already obtained all this. I've already arrived at my goal. I pressed toward the mark of the prize of Christ Jesus, which took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Words, I haven't made it. I haven't arrived yet. But one thing I do. I forget that which is behind, and I strain towards that which is ahead. I press towards the goal to win this prize for God, which hath called me through <clears throat> heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, as far as my life goes, I've got a goal. When you look at Jesus Christ and you look at the life of Christ, what does he say? I'm here to do the Father's will. That's my goal. You've got to know where you're headed. You've got to know where you're headed. And, and, and we're going to look at all these seven areas of your life because we're going to ask the question, where are you? Where do you want to go in those seven areas? What, what process do you need to get there? Be honest with yourself. Figure out what that process is. And you start to work the plan. We actually sat down. This is, this, is the problem, this is the problem with country people. I get this, okay? Because I'm becoming like you, and it bothers me because it, 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 it just, there's something inside of me that grates me. And here's what grates me. Um, it's, it's a love-hate relationship. Here's what gets me. Um, you are a, country people tend to be a task-oriented people. Okay. City people tend to be a time-oriented people. So here's the difference. When I say, we're going to greet each other for five minutes, those of us who are time-oriented people mean, when that thing stops at zero, you need to be seated and ready to go. Time. If I say, let's meet at 10, that means if you're there at five minutes till 10, you're almost late. That's time, people. That's the way you should be. Country people are task people. And this has been my big thing. When do you get to church? After you've taken care of chores. You get ready to leave for church and a cattle are out. What do you do? No, you go to church because it starts at 10 o'clock. No, task people say, I'm going to go take care of the task. What I've come to realize is this. When you get to church, this is your new task. So me, I'm, it's driving me nuts watching that clock back there. Because I'm going, I've got to speed it up, got to speed it up, got to speed it up. You're sitting here going, this is our task, man. Take the time you need. That's the difference between us. So here's the thing. What I realize is, for somebody like me, everything's planned out. For instance, we're going to Seattle. Here's what you need to know. I bought tickets and I, I got everything set up in January. 
in February, I bought my city path so that there's, I get to choose between seven things that we get to do while we're there. This week, I'm gonna, or this month, I'm going to buy my bus metro pass so that we have, because that's on my task list. Boom, 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 time. I've got it all scheduled out. You're like, you must be miserable on vacation. No, I have a ball, but time-oriented person. <clears throat> and in a task world, what happens is the only way you're going to click for you is if your task becomes this is what I need to get done. You're going to have to make this a task. You're going to have to make this an an intentional direction you want to go, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, vocationally, relationally, financially. You're going to have to make it a task to say, what do I need to get this task done? Just like when you go to do your chores, what do you do? You set off what tasks you have to do. I gotta go. I gotta go start up the tractor. I gotta go get the feed. I gotta go dump this thing. I gotta go make sure that you, you have this whole set of tasks. For you, for this to work, you have to start setting up some tasks to get from there to there. The problem is, too many of you don't work the plan or the task. Um, listen to what listen to what Paul says um, in this passage. Uh, therefore, um, let's see, uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, therefore, guys, wait back there, there we go. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave. After that, I preach to others. I will not be disqualified for the pride. Paul says, I, 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 I have a purpose. I have a set of tasks. I have a set of check marks to get me to where I want to be. I don't just run around like a chicken with my head cut off. I don't just stay there and hope that this is going to happen. Um, my granddaughter, Claire, uh, she likes this, uh, she liked this, uh, um, how to tame a, yeah, how you train a dragon. I've never seen it in the movies until Friday. I saw the first one. Um, it was actually, huh? Okay. The third one is the first one that I saw. So anyway, and so Aaron, because she's been so excited about this. In fact, we said, we, we, we said, Hey, look, um, Jimmy got a deal yesterday, and we wanted to do something nice for the kids. So he said, hey, look, we'll take you guys out for the movie. And, and Claire was looking forward to it and everything else. So Aaron bought her this outfit. Okay? This is the outfit that he bought her. If you know the movie or seen the movie, this will make sense to you. You got that one, Peyton? Yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay, this is the outfit that he bought her. Okay? So this is what she wore to the movie. Okay? This is like the lead character dragon thing. So anyway, so... So we sat her down next to us. In fact, she told, she told Aaron, she says, Nana and Grandpa are taking me to a movie, and Mom and Dad are going to come along. Um, and so anyway, so we took her to the movie. We got popcorn. Um, we, got, we got peanut M&Ms. We got Skittles. We got juicy fruit stuff and pop. And we're just loading that girl up because um, she ain't going home with us. So we're just shoving stuff in. <clears throat> now afterwards, we go to, we go to um, Sears because it's a, you know, end of the thing, and those things are like candy to me. So I, uh, the closing store, so uh, I, we go over there, and we're buying a couple of blankets and stuff as we get ready to go. And as we're checking out Claire, and she's just seen, she, you know, first of all, we got it all filled up on sugar. She's got this flying costume on, and she's just watching an hour and a half of Flying Dragons. So this girl at, at, at the entrance to Sears has got her arms spread and is running around in circles like a mad woman. And she's just going circle and circle. She won't stop. I'm like, you're going to pass out. You're getting so dizzy. And, of course, Jimmy and Aaron, they are smart parents. They realize every energy that she burns up here, we don't take home. Let her run. 
And she's going around and around and around and around in circles. And I'm just watching this thing going, this is pretty insane, you know, just go. But she's not making any progress. She's not getting anywhere. She's going in circles. She's having fun. She's having a ball. She's not making any progress. You know how much I watch that play out in people's lives? I'm having fun. Everything's great. Yay, look at me. Yay, yay, yay. And then they come 20 years down the line and they're going, life isn't what I was expecting. Because they never did anything there and they spent 20 years running around in circles, having fun. And my challenge to you is if you're not happy with this, then you've got to be honest with yourself and start figuring out what steps you need to take to change it to be whatever you want to be, whether you want to be that or whether it be something else or whatever else. If you're happy with this, fine. But I think if you're honest with yourself, most of us aren't happy here. We've got at least one of those areas that we need to grow in. I would suggest we could all take one step in every one of those areas. I know I can. I know that's what I intend to do. And some of them are going to be little bitty steps, and some are going to be big steps for them. But that's what we're talking about here, is not running around in circles and then coming down later in our life and going, oh, I've got all these regrets because nothing's changed. Paul said, look, I run the race with purpose. I know where I'm going. I know how I'm going to get there. I've got a system to be able to do it. And my challenge is to start working towards that goal. And just like this thing, you've got to understand, when, I, when we did this pump, when Jimmy and I did this pump, I had never spray painted anything. I had never painted anything in my life. I never sandblasted anything. I never restored anything. Um, I, did, I didn't know how to, I didn't know, we wanted to make a box. We wanted to make this box. I didn't even know how to weld a box. So I had to find somebody to weld it for me. I think Lynn did it. I think you made this, by the way, when you were over at Torgensons, I think. Um, you or Bob or somebody. Uh, somebody, down, somebody down there welded it for me. Because I didn't know how to do it. I had to get other people to come alongside of me and show me how to use tools. This was before YouTube. So I had to, go to actually go to the paint store and say, okay, explain to me one stage, two stage. What's easier? Um, you know, do I clear coat? Do I not clear coat? Um, you know, what's the different nozzle sizes on a sandblaster? And what's the pressure settings? And all that. And I had people come alongside of me and go, because I, basically, I just simply said, you know what? I don't know. Help me. Teach me. And what I found is there was a whole group of people who were willing to teach me. I just had to be teachable. And I just had to suck it all in like a sponge. Because I didn't want to take the pump to the 4-H show like this. So people came alongside and helped us. And, and it ended up like that because people came alongside and helped us. And that's the same thing in your spiritual growth. You're struggling in relation? Fine. Find people who have good... You're struggling in your marriage? Find a couple who has a great marriage. Get them to come alongside of you and help you. Oh, but they'll know that we have a bad marriage. Okay, so what? You want to wait till it all hits the fan? Oh, but they'll know we're struggling. Well, get on the struggle boat because there's a lot of us on it. You know, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just all jump on together. 
Oh, you know, I don't want anybody to know that I'm having trouble financially. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll just wait till you declare bankruptcy at a big farm sale. All right. You know? Oh, I don't, I don't want my family to know that we have relationship problems within our family. Oh, yeah, like that's a newsflash to them. You know? Oh, I don't want anybody to know that I, I, I struggle with depression. Oh, really? How many people struggle with depression? And they have to leave. Okay, so don't, you know, it's not like I've ticked them all off. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Show choir thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, you know. Okay, let's see how many of the rest of you I can tick off. No, that, no. <laughs> I'm giving them a hard time. No, you need to go, you need to go. See, it's a time thing. That's what I told you. That's what drives me nuts. But I want you to understand, look, folks. I had people come alongside of me so that we could do this. Is the, this is the result of a whole lot of people helping us. And I get to enjoy it every day. And it sits in our basement. We use it. And it's functional. My wife loves me enough to let me put a big, massive piece of metal that belongs in a shed in my basement downstairs. We had a purpose. We had a goal. We had a plan. We worked it. We got people to come alongside of us to help us. And your spiritual growth and my spiritual growth, our emotional growth, mental growth, physical growth, vocational, relational, financial, it's no different. It's no different. If you're not happy there, we're going to give you every week tools in those areas to be able to take stops, take a step to head towards something different. That's where we're headed. So I end with this, and you're going to hear us this every week, so just get used to it. If you want to memorize it now, it will be a whole lot easier for you. Okay? Here's what it says. Uh, Payton, Romans 12. No, that's all right. Oh, no, I skipped that one. Uh, yeah, there you go. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Literally, the original language, what this said is, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You ever made jello? Don't let the world do that to you. But be transformed. How? By renewing your mind. You've got to change how you're thinking, how you're approaching it. So that you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is. Good, perfect, pleasing. That's what he wants for you. If you're happy staying that way, okay. As someone who has a front row seat to life, I find very few people who are happy here now with this. 20, 30 years down the line are saying, boy, that was a good choice. Most people say, and for those of you, those of you who are in your 20s and 30s, I cannot stress how important it is for you to be making the kind of choices to change into what you want to be early. Those of you who are teenagers, you even have more of an advantage. Those of you who are in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, you know how hard it is. Just like this pump right now is fairly restorable. But after it's sat outside for 20 years, 30 years, I can still, I can still restore it. But it's going to be a whole lot more expensive. It's going to be a whole lot more work. It's going to be a whole lot harder. It's easier when you get it on the on the front side of it. And so teenagers, you're on the front side of it. Kids in 20s and 30s, you're on the front side of it. 40s, 50s, or 60s, we understand this is not 
and easy process. This is a big step because we got a lot of life experiences to undo. So my challenge is you be honest with yourself. Let's look at our lives. Let's, be, let's say, look, where do we want to go? So I end with this. God wants us to change and transform our life. Ultimate goal is to be more like Christ in our thoughts, beliefs, and behavior. In order to grow, we've got to be honest with ourselves in every area. We've got to set goals, make plans, focus our energy and things that will make us more like Christ. And that process involves his spirit, his word, his people. So as we start this journey, may God guide us as we seek to transform our lives in line with his perfect will. And we're all in together, and we'll all travel it together, and we'll all work on it in different ways. But the ultimate goal is that eight weeks from now, as we look back, we're a little bit closer instead of being the same. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Easy to talk, easy to hear, hard to do. Help us to be honest with ourselves this week. Help us to come up with ways and plans in the days ahead to be able to get where we need to be. And when it's all said and done, Lord, we'll be the kind of people that walk according to your will, which is pleasing to you and good for us. And, Lord, is an incredible opportunity for the world to see Christ. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're